welcome highfalutin ski bum podcast.com the one and only the actual proper ski bum podcast.com we're it. it is your pals mario and brian mario what's up uh, looking forward to the weekend yes indeed and you've got a nice little recap this episode of your trip that you've alluded to the last few weeks out to ogden utah in beautiful powder mountain and snow basin so it was a great trip let's put it that way yes, I, I wish i was there now oh, i could the, live there I, I told my wife when i came back i, I could move there uh, there you go well we'll hear more about that in a little bit thank you so much for listening check us out skibumpodcast.com we are on all your favorite social media apps twitter facebook instagram untapped like just my brain just exploded for a second there we are at ski bump podcast send us an email ski bump podcast at gmail.com if you want stickers email us or dm us on instagram that's the way to do it check out the shop ski bump podcast.com slash shop subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcasting apps that would be wonderful even your non-favorite podcasting apps you could still yeah, whatever us. podcast apps you got follow us <laughs> yes whatever you, got. whatever you got and also we want to give a big thank you to our sponsors we, first off we have valon eyewear v-a-l-l-o-n dot s-t-o-r-e they are creating sweet glasses and goggles with a old school kind of classic style with maximum performance updated quality and materials with the classic styles based out of verbier Born out of love of ski touring, independent family owned. And what's awesome is they are cleaning up one kilogram of plastic waste for every sale. Over 54,000 pounds of plastic cleaned up. Free shipping to the US, free returns. Use the code SKIBUM15 at checkout for 15% off. Also, a big shout out to our friends at Terracia, terracia.com, T E R R A C E A. They have premium cold weather solutions. Their mission, best in class apparel that can be worn in any cold temperature environment designed with thoughtful measures. There's a sticker that Mario is holding up. Optimum level of performance, whatever you're doing. They fully believe the idea that good products can always be made better and they're striving to constantly improve. I know personally, at least one person who tried ordering a jacket in a size large and they were sold out Terracia is blowing up but if you are not a large if you are anything else small medium extra large do they carry 2xl i'm not exactly sure why but not gotta use, be the code, in there. use the code Terracia bum t-e-r-r-a-c-e-a-b-u-m at checkout for 15 percent off thank you Terracia. thank you valon go there support our sponsors and they will keep supporting us and keep making this awesome podcast. And together we will all grow as skiers and ski bums and people. Let's be honest. So Mario, right. Skiers are better people. Skiers are better people. (laughs) Mario, let's kick it off where we always do. It's time for Opry today. Opry's been a little weird. I'm like fighting off some kind of sinus thing going, like weather's changing and not the vid. Huh? Not the vid? No, no, no. I was roaming the aisles of the local grocery store. And what do I see? The two for one sale again on one of my old favorites, Peroni. Look at you. So, uh, of course, I went in. It it rhymes with Coroni. 
right? <laughs> you, you can't argue with that. It does rhyme with Coroni. Coroni and Peroni. Jabroni. <laughs> Jabronis. Uh, yeah, I love Peroni. I don't know. It, it brings me back to Italy. Well, they have FIS was racing in Cortina. It reminds me of Cortina. It reminds me of Italy. Raggio skiing. So I don't know. It's good drinking beer. I love it when I find it on tap someplace. You know, when you roll into the supermarket and they have buy one six pack and get one free, you're losing that much money. I don't think any place but Florida has deals like that. Dude, it's amazing, right? Like you go into a story like I've never heard of that. <laughs> Even if I don't like it, I'm like, I, I got to buy it and give it to somebody like <laughs> It's charitable, you know, they had truly on sale and I hate truly, but I bought it and I just gave it to my sister. I'm like, it was by because it was one. on sale. You're just, losing I, money. I can't go without like I'm helping somebody else out. So it's funny. I went and I'm like, you know, I'm going to be nice and sensible. I'm just going to buy a six pack and get one free. So the next day I'm like, what was I thinking? So I went back, I got two more six packs and got two more free. So I'm like, so you got a case for the price of two six packs. Exactly. I mean, losing money. losing money if you're not, to, you could buy it and give two bottles to a hobo outside yeah. of that store. And you there's still a lot be of hobo game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I could help out the whole community here. Um, we should be calling it like a hobo helper. Be two for one. Hobo helper. That would be awesome. <laughs> Hello, public shoppers. We got the hobo um, helper sale over there in aisle they four. <laughs> they had on sale last time was they have Michelob Ultra seltzers or bud platinum seltzer something like that and i was like they were buy one get one so i got them just to try them and i didn't like them so i gave them to somebody but i realized those things were eight eight point seven percent i was like seltzers were yeah i was like most of the other seltzers are like you know five six you know on the high end eight point seven it was like colt 45 like seltzer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> has Colt 45 not come out with their own version of a seltzer? That would be great. It, it really would. It might be great and grape. That'd be great. <laughs> grape soda flavor. Come on, man. You, you knew it was going to be grape. <laughs> I just knew. I know that's one of the flavors. Did you know that was named in order in honor of running back Jerry Hill, who was number mm. 45? I didn't know Nice. That. I didn't know that. That's see, see? things you didn't know. Today mm. I learned. And I'm so happy. Maybe this is one of the positives from coronavirus that most liquor websites now don't even ask you to put in your date of birth. They're just like, are you 21? Yes or no? Just it's click like, it. Course, we know you're going to yes. put something in fake. Like who's really putting in their real birthday? I put January getting, 1st our, our in kids, like 1950. <laughs> are kids getting drunk looking at a picture of alcohol now? Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. Enough is enough, right? Enough right, is So if enough. anybody hasn't had Peroni, it's delicious. It's light. It's refreshing. What do they consider this? It's all in Italian, so I can't that. read what it says. Well, Cold 45, not offering a seltzer quite yet. We shall Damn see. <laughs> but that Bud Chilada, I found it out somewhere again. I was like, wow. some people are drinking it. God bless them. All right, so Peroni... Founded by Francisco Peroni in Italy, 1846. So pale lager. 1846, wow. 1846. Eight power. The 13 best-selling beer in the UK in 2010 by 2016 was owned by Miller Brands. So it got bought by Miller. It's an Italian Miller. (laughs) Millero. 
Miller, hey, Miller. So eight, <laughs> alcohol by volume is 4.7. And their headquarters, which I love, I think I'm going to complain about my beer and I have to go to the headquarters, which is in Roma, Italy. Roma. Hmm. Ah, Rome, Italy. Dude, I, that was the last trip. I Big trip. Was that the last big trip? Well, you went to Italy twice right before the Rones. Yeah. Right? So we, yeah. we skied in Italy, but that summer we went to Rome. And that was the first time I was in Rome. That was freaking... I got to say, I love that little town. There's not a bad meal you can that have. That little in town, that giant city that was the center of an empire, that little town. Oh, it's so small nowadays. I mean, you live near New York City and then you go to another city. It's always kind of like, oh, I thought it'd be bigger. You really are jaded. Like you got to set your, you got to reset your mind when you go anywhere. Cause it's just. Yeah. New York, definitely your perspective is skewed. To begin yeah. with, because if you any any massive city, like if you're in Los Angeles or Chicago or London, you know, any sort of big yeah. city, yeah, every other city you're like, oh, this is you call this a city, huh? Yeah, I don't even know about Los Angeles. It's just sprawl. I mean it's just sprawl, yeah. London and Chicago, I could see they're up there, you know, with New York City, but uh it's just massive. If you look at the number of buildings and stuff, I mean Rome's beautiful because there's just so much like old architecture and, and stuff around and yeah. great places to eat and plus have to the skyline. The, dr- have some wine. the drama of the skyline is important too. Yeah. You know, like more modern cities, you have like a that's one thing. I went to Paris and I didn't realize there really isn't a skyline in Paris. You know, mm. like you think, oh, the Eiffel you think the Eiffel Tower is there like the Empire State Building. Yeah. But it's kind of tucked away. Is it? And I remember driving over we were on like a bus tour. And you're like, ah, oh, the Eiffel Tower, I've seen pictures, whatever. And then you drive up past it and you're like, holy crap, that is awesome. Like, yeah. I was surprised because I was Good, like, right? eh, whatever. But it's just so cool. Like, it was, really is I saw awesome. the Eiffel Tower in, in Vegas at the Paris. <laughs> yeah. What is that? Like, it's a half, half, half made replica? Half I don't the size think replica. It's half. I think it's like a quarter. It's, yeah. I went to the top of that one. It's hilarious. Vegas, I mean, it's it's Vegas is just I love you get the New York, New York. You walk through like, yeah, I went to New York. You walk through Paris, like, I went to Paris. Yeah, you get it all. You get it all there. You get a stratosphere. Uh, like, I've, been to the, I've been to the pyramids, the pyramids at the Luxor. That's right. I don't need to go to Egypt. The inclinators, super cool with the Luxor. Those weird elevators that they call them inclinators because they go up the side of the pyramid. Oh, nice. Inclinators. Yeah. Inclinators are called. Huh. Did you stay You're learning a lot here? Um, well, a friend of mine got married there many moons ago, uh, and it was at the tail end of me being really ghetto, and there was like six or seven of us in a hotel room, like one of those nice. things. Old school. I like it. Uh, just you look back and you're like, and then really? you get older and you're like, why did I do that? I, I need my own room. Like I need a living room. I need like <laughs> separate bathrooms for everybody. <laughs> I can't stay in a place that doesn't have room service. That's BS. I can't do it. That's that's a major milestone in one's life is when one goes from yeah we could put like six people in this one yeah, bedroom to like room, you know to no I mean I need my own goddamn room I'm a grown up need my own bathroom I need my like own place sharing a bathroom with your friends like that is disgusting yeah I mean I basically walk around naked in my hotel room I ain't putting on clothes it's my hotel room if you guys want to see a show that's fine but well you actually didn't tell people you didn't tell I me. Dry, man. 
you didn't tell the listeners that you were at the supermarket in a bathrobe with it open, which is why they gave you that two for one deal. They're like, sir, <laughs> take an extra six pack. Just get out of here. Please get out of here. Like, and uh, all right. your robe for God's sakes. Do I need to wear a mask on this too? <laughs> yeah. Do I need to put a mask on this thing over here? Yeah. There's not one big enough. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah like some of the vegas hotels i want to stay at circus circus i I heard it's crazy and there's crazy pictures of clowns on the wall i just want to see the how crazy it is now i will be happy to stay at the circus circus in reno because that means we're just a few miles from mount rose go skiing there you go i think reno is the new vegas Reno is the new Vegas. Reno has so much more to offer me than Vegas can at this point in my life. Yeah. Well, what was the new Vegas was um, Tennessee. The uh, Asheville was like the new Vegas. Really? Yeah. Wait, like Asheville? It, isn't, that, isn't Asheville, North Carolina? No, Nashville. Oh, Nashville. Derby yeah, Nashville's Park. like the new Vegas now. Like everybody's going there. Uh, Vegas still Vegas. And who knows? Uh, now with Corona, like it just, everything's bad to go to. You're not getting prostitute cards anymore like it's I, it's a damn. different time they gotta have a ski vegas that's how reno about, that's what how, reno is how about reno on the side ski of vegas? The like you get to ski down the pyramid like that would be pretty <laughs> badass like Didn't that's evil, evil drive down the luxor <laughs> or launched off of it or something probably i did everything man i don't know he broke he broke every bone in his body they say and i believe it because I remember as a little kid, they used to have Evil Knievel special. He's going to jump over some buses. And I'm like, this is horrible, but everybody's climbing around the TV, seeing if he can make it. Like, I hope you he makes it. But if honest, not, you I didn't want, want him to, to, you didn't want him to make it. You wanted him to crash. That's why you watched it. Uh, what was the one that really, like, almost really killed him was jumping was over the Grand the, Canyon? Uh, Grand Canyon. He had like a rocket. Like, he was like Wiley Coyote. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a, a life, a real life Wiley Coyote, man. He's dead, right? Evil Knievel. I don't know. I think he's probably still alive. He's like right. Bionic. He died in 2007. Bionic. <laughs> and forever. Isn't his kid, kid doing stuff? Robbie Knievel. Yeah, but dude, imagine that was your dad. And it's like, son, what do you want to do with your life? Like, I want to be an accountant. It's yeah. like you're getting on this motorcycle and I'm pushing you over the cliff. Right. I love Great, I love Google's like the people people also ask section it's like when and how did evil knievel die how many bones has evil knievel broken has anyone ever jumped the grand canyon did evil knievel ever land a jump (laughs) (laughs) he never did he just crashed all the time he just crashed every time man well down here like in florida they have nick willenda who's one of the famous willendas right remember they had that horrible well family way back in like was this 80s or 70s they were doing a tightrope with a pyramid and like half the family died in that thing it was it was horrible and out of that he still kept doing it he does the tightrope stuff across things he did one in new york i think it was building to building i forgot which buildings did you ever see that uh there was a documentary and then there was a movie man on wire about that tightrope walker who walked across the twin towers when they were still there in new york right before they opened Wow. That's a cool documentary, man. Like this guy had to do so much crazy crap just to get all of his stuff up there to pull it off. It was like, you could never do that now. There's too many many people just to even like be outside. I saw something somebody put on Instagram and they were outside. I don't know if they were like on a maintenance ladder 
outside one of the tall buildings in New York City and they're panning around and you could see like, holy crap, that's a really huge sprawling city, not just urban sprawl. This is like city sprawl. So this guy's like outside of the building taking this photo and he showed himself on a ladder when he started. I was like, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I know safety harness, just raw dogging it. <laughs> pretty much. That's it, man. So fun fact, Evil Knievel died in Clearwater. Boom. Where in Clearwater? Yeah. Well, he had diabetes and some fibrosis, pulmonary fibrosis. He, he died at 69 years old. Nice. Oh. There you go. And his son, Robbie Knievel, actually did jump the Grand Canyon. So there. Oh, so he did. Look at that. Yeah. Evil goddamn Knievel. That's a oh, real man. If you died at the hospital near me, that's where Bodie was born. You were like, you were born in the same place that Evil Knievel died. He died on his way to the hospital. Oh, wah, wah. There you go. Poor bastard. Man, 69. He still made it to almost 70. That's... I thought he would have been gone way before then with all the crazy shit he did, right? How many times he's crashed and almost killed himself, yeah. I don't know how we started talking about Evil Knievel, but here we are. Man. Now, if you haven't noticed yet, I will probably cut this out of the regular podcast. Just give us the actual what we're drinking in a quick comment and put this in the Under the Ropes podcast. Boom. So we may be, you may be thinking we had multiple drinks on the Under the Ropes podcast, really, we're just taking, you're kind of getting just the highlights of Under the Ropes, highlights of APRA today on the regular podcast, and you're getting the full-blown director's cut Criterion Collection version on the Under the Ropes podcast. That's right. UTR. We're keeping things tight. Things are going to stay tight on the regular podcast. Tight. Because we got fans, we got followers, we got sponsors. We got a lot of stuff that we're doing here. A lot of people think we're morons. And you know what? I'm, I'm Nothing I'm saying here is giving anything to the contrary. But that's why we're going to put... Even have, we even have people that are trying to copy us. Imitation is the imitation form of flattery. Oh, right? Imitation is the, the best form of pissing me off. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Just saying you want to get my Puerto Rican rage up, boom, right there. Like that. Instant. What happened to being a Quaker? What happened to your Puerto Rican Quakerness? All <laughs> gone already. That's the uh, Quaker, uh, the whip on me Quaker. If you missed that from last week, dude, I was editing the Under the Ropes number six, and I just posted, I think I posted it this morning, recording this on a Thursday. Dude, I was laughing my ass off. I had to edit some stuff out because I had, I was on my, actually, I had one beer that night. But it was like a big humdinger beer. But I was the thing I said again. It, it's not bad. It's just it was offensive. So I got to write notes. A lot of my wife, and when she she listens to it while she's yeah. Right, well, I cut it out, dude. I had to cut it out because I knew someone was gonna see it and friggin' they would gotten all pissed off. And <laughs> that's the kind of conditions we're in right now because yeah. I have to avoid cancel culture for two weeks. That's it. Once I get to the next two weeks. I'm going to be free balling a little bit more because I'm going to be trying to get fired after that. There you go. Laid off. Cancel me. Cancel me. You want to get the laid off? Yes. Want... I want the bennies. Get those right. bennies for a few more bennies. months. You've been there a while. Severance. You got to get it yeah. all. Get the full book. Got to get it all. Well, all right. after what that massive diatribe doing my app right, right now, last week I was talking about my trip up to beautiful Catamount mountain, Powell, rich and I, and we stopped at Tin Barn. 
I love the beer I had last week. Hypnotic Orange, as it was called. I have the other beer that I bought. I bought two four packs. This one is called Queen of the Galaxy. And goddamn, this beer is unbelievable. Really? It's so freaking good. It's, It's almost like that other one. If you dialed back the orange a tiny bit, there's no bitterness. It's 9.4 percenter. New England triple IPA. Damn. Mother of God is this good. This is just as good as anything Treehouse puts out. Anything Whoa. coming out of Vermont. Dude, right there. It is fantastic. I wish I had a glass to pour this into. I'm just pouring it into my gullet. I'm looking at it right now on untapped. 4.34 it's getting. Ooh. It is fantastic. It's smooth. You wouldn't think it's a triple. It's got those delicious citra hops saying citra, and they add a fourth dry hop of pure galaxy hops. I don't even know how to put this into words how good this is. Citrusy. Mm-hmm. It tastes way lighter. It drinks lighter than a triple 9.4% IPA. Yeah. Triples are usually pretty bold. Pretty... Usually get a little that that like um syrupy almost liquory, liquory, syrupy kind of yeah. taste to it there is yeah, like none liquor-y. of that yeah almost like a yeah. bourbon you start aging a lot whiskey-ish yeah like a brandy wine or something gross like that but no there is none of that with this this is so tasty I, I i don't even know what they're doing up there they're doing witchcraft at the tin barn brewery but god bless them for doing it this is out of this Maybe world by treehouse and then they put it in their own can and sell it they just put a bunch of like king julius and just like dumped it in there can you imagine <laughs> that would be good. like can you imagine you just get some of the best beers in the world and just <laughs> ship them in put them into your can be like oh no we just made this freaking people like this place is off the charts well you know what that could that could be a whole new weird interesting business because think about <laughs> wines like like charles shaw wine yeah, it's a legit winery, but it's all like the what is it? The extras they they buy from other wineries and they put it together and they sell it cheap because they they it's all extras. Yeah. I think that's what the story is. I'm not exactly sure. I read it years ago, something like that. But imagine you had a place that was like, oh, we got extra sip of sunshine, extra heady toppers. They start blending them together and recanning them and being like, this is like mystery batch number four. And you're like, whoa, like it's only 30 bucks for a four pack. I'm going to get a case. Imagine like getting like heady topper and sip of sunshine and Hill Farmstead and all the treehouse and blending them together into new beers. Just be like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, just cream mix beer, them all we just up. blend them and they're, so who? What are those Bordeaux's? Right, Bordeaux's are blends like that are like carefully blended. Like they fly people in, like they pay them a crap load of money to blend these flavors together. Yeah, be like the Bordeaux of beers, like <laughs> Bordeaux, Bordeaux, and they're expensive as hell because they taste really good. So our uh, our expert brewmaster slash sommelier has chosen this one <laughs> to be the our special blend number nine out of this world queen like of ponzi the galaxy of, like the ponzi scheme of beers we could be like the theranos chick of beer <laughs> that's right elizabeth holmes we could be like her <laughs> <laughs> yeah right well, that peroni and heady topper mixed together oh what the hell peroni is topper. it's a peroni <laughs> topper it's, a, it's an italian heady topper <laughs> it's called hederoni <laughs> hederoni <laughs> oh man that'd be great delicious <laughs> this is the best beer i've ever had man 
best. It's light drinking, but it's 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 weird. It's like, it's a like pale skiing in Cortina and Stowe at the same time. It's unbelievable. Oh, how about mixing beers of ski towns together? That's what I'm talking about. You're taking Corbett's and you're taking somewhere else and you're merging them together. Mashing mash right it up. all up. Heady topper. Boom. Like I think we would offend beer purists to the 90th degree, but I think that would be, be so awesome. Level. That could be a new level. That could be our new thing. That could be our thing. Just mixing beers together. Just find good beers and use them as ingredients to make other beers. Yes. Right. Exactly. Be a, a, the second market of beers. Oh, you know, it'd be really cool. We take, so that we have like a whole ski season where we start off, maybe we'll start off on the East. We'll buy beers wherever we go, bring them to the next trip. So say we're in Vermont and then yeah. we're going to go out to perhaps Mount Bohemia in Michigan. We'll bring one of those Vermont beers, mix it with the local beer there, then get a beer from there and then go out to like Wyoming. And we'll take one of those beers mixed with a Wyoming beer. Get to buy beers in Wyoming, like Snake River, go to Utah, mix it with it. Like we'll do, wherever we go, we'll bring something from the last trip to mix oh. with where we are. You could probably fool some really stupid like beer wannabe snob people by doing that. Just put it in a little cask and bring it to your little stand at the beer oh, festival. Yeah. Oh, they'd be like, this is delicious. It's like, unbelievable. It tastes a little bit like Hetty Topper and Peroni. <laughs> and Treehouse. It'd be tenderoni. <laughs> tenderoni. <laughs> but you're not the first person to say that. <laughs> uh, like this tastes so much like, well, think about Julius and Cigar City Highlight. Boom. Like you're mixing that, that stuff up. You get north, south, east, a little bit east. <laughs> gets a little crazy. It could get a little freaky dicky. And then we'll age it in an old Wyoming whiskey barrel. And then you, you top it off with a, like a floater of Dogfish 120. It's an entirely new thing. An entirely new avenue. Super hammered. Oh my God. And you'd create some new different flavors. There's nothing wrong with experimentation. I just like the idea of just pawing it off as your own. Just freaking <laughs> just get a spray spray thing and just paint right over the Julius out of, of the Heady Topper. Sip well, it's like that. Like that one guy who came up with the company New York City Water, he just pretty much filled up water bottles with tap water from New tap York water. and sold it for two bucks a bottle. Yeah. People are like, oh, this is delicious New York City water, which is really good. But all right. Well, with that, I think it's time. Let's go to ski news. Things are changing. People are getting vaccinated. Some restrictions are being not necessarily removed, tweaked, altered. The good folks in Vermont announced this past week that if you are fully vaccinated, none of it is one shot. You need the whole jammy jam. And it has been 14 days since your final vaccine dose. You may travel to Vermont without quarantine. Hmm. Wow. Anyone else traveling to Vermont must quarantine. The health department strongly advises against non-essential travel, even within Vermont. Skiing is essential. Let's be honest. It's very central. Yeah. So they go on to like Dr. About... Seuss with the star belly sneezes. <laughs> I got a star. I don't have a star. Like can't come here. You don't have a star on your belly. <clears throat> yeah, but no. you got cash in your pocket. Vermont's going to need your cash. So exactly. Bottom line is, 
at some point they're gonna be like, look, we just need your cash. Come on in. Yeah. They're gonna stick with this till at least March 15th. And at that point, conveniently, is when all the resorts have opened up their spring ski pass sales. Yep. So either we're all going to just start developing herd immunity in mass, or it's going to be crazy spread starting uh, around the end of March. Because I think, I mean, we still don't know, but my thought process is that all bets are just going to be off. Like they're like, we're going to try to cash in. We still got some snow, a lot of snow floating around. Like let's try to make some bucks at the end of the year. But yeah, try to save some of the seasons. And you know what they've gotten, it hasn't been too bad up there, has it? It's been really good, actually. They've so, gotten a couple bumps lately, and they should, you know, knock on wood, they should have, you know, snow through March. So at least through March. So hopefully they're at least breaking even, if not making a little profit this year. You know, I think everybody's just going to be happy if they break even or come close to that. So that was the talk we heard in November. So, yeah, I'm sure they're still kind of using the same guidelines. But yeah. yeah. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know what the rules are for the vaccination. I don't know if you have to be older because I think. Yeah, I think still origin- down here, they lowered it. it. used to have to be 75, now it's 65 and up. Yeah. That's what they're, every now, state's doing their own. Yeah, and they just announced today, I believe, that Johnson & Johnson uh, was approved their vaccination. That's a single shot, right? That's a single shot. And that and is not really one good. And it's not one of those RNA ones either. It's like a regular kind of old school, normal vaccine. Yeah. Because you really, you don't even know what is truth and what is news and what is bullshit because there was something they were saying with those RNA vaccines mm-hmm. that they are, they're thinking it's possible that with one of those, it could wipe out all of your other immunizations. Oh, so great. if you had those mumps rubella like all the ones you always got chicken pox the rna one would almost like reset your immune system and then Jeez. only again I, so you get the pox again that'd be crazy make it freaking polio again who knows so Jeez. there's also so there's it's a new type so that's why people were a little bit skeptical and again i have no scientific background i am a dipshit <laughs> but that was something i heard and read about but i uh, i don't know i i like and the, the Johnson Johnson one too, they said it doesn't need to be like deep frozen. Right. I think, the, I think it was the Moderna one or was it the Pfizer one that had to be like super frozen. Super cold. The other one had to be still really cold. Yeah. And this one is just, cold. this yeah. one is not nearly as, uh, keep it in the back of your trunk all day and then just, yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. You're good. And they said too, they have 20,000 or 20 million vaccines available by end of March yeah. and a hundred million by the summer. Especially with the one shot. It's like, boop. Cause right now the horrible part is keeping track of the second shot. So they had this whole big thing. There were hospitals that were organizing in Florida and then the state took it over. And when they did that, people got their first vaccine and got a card saying, come back on this date. You know, your next vaccine is due on this date. So people were like, okay, they told me to come back on this date. It's within the time that you need to get it back. So they just show back up on that date and they're like, oh no, well, we switched it. You had a call to make an appointment for that date. They're like, nobody told us. So all these people, it's just a big shit show. Oh, you got the government involved and things got screwed up. That's the first well, time I've ever heard that scenario. Well, they started running it and it was good the way they were running. It was just the switchover was horrible. It was just like, and now you have just Walmart. My mom got hers at Walmart. Publix is running them like all the 
all the big grocery chains are doing it, but uh, they still haven't gotten it to. I think they said they're starting with like Walgreens and CVS now. So. And you know, there's going to be a whole market for people getting like a fake vaccination approval cards. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't want to get that shot. I'm just going to get a fake vaccine card. Yeah, herd hey, immunity, brother. <laughs> if you could fly with it, why not? Right. Yeah. Right. So Vermont could be back in the uh, back of the card, back in the cards now. Yeah, might be. All right, on bigger news, IndyPass is still still making headlines. They just added Saddleback, Maine, M-E. Saddleback Mountain in Maine, yeah. And Waterville Valley, New Hampshire. Which just reopened this past year, Saddleback. Yes. And that was the one that we all per, sort of predicted was going to be on there, which was nice. Yeah. But Waterville Valley, that was an interesting one. Hmm. I believe that one is owned by the governor's family. Oh, wow. I forgot who we were talking to about this, but I think it was Eric Wilbur, actually, who was saying it's like the Sununu family. Yeah, I just think it's great. Like Indy Pass is getting a lot more resorts. And I don't know if it's because of COVID or people are just kind of waking up with the with the high price of of other tickets and other passes. And they're actually like kind of saying, Hey, you know what? Maybe it's not a big mega resort, but it's a cool resort. You know, some of the resorts that are on here and I can get a ticket through any pass for not as much as an Epic or icon, you know? Yeah. I mean, it all depends to where you are. And right. new England is a spot where you'd be a no, it's a no brainer to get one there. I was actually trying to make reservations at one of the Indy Pass resorts for this upcoming weekend in New England, and I yeah. was S O L. Really? Yeah, Mohawk Mountain. I was trying to get to. Wow! But it was cool. Uh, Eric Wilbur, his newsletter, the New England Ski Journal, they came out with their email today, and they were they did the breakdown of it, which I'm surprised took this long. I'm sure someone did it way earlier. But they're yeah. saying that you know if you were with these additions of these two mountains, if you were in the new England area and went to all of the new England resorts, the two days at each mountain and any pass, what cost 200 bucks or two fifty, whatever it costs. Yeah, I think at the height now. Yeah. <laughs> if you went to all those resorts, it would cost you $8 and like 24 cents. That's what the breakdown would be per lift That's ticket. Pretty awesome. Which is bananas. Cause you go to anyone, if you were to you know, go to a ticket, the ticket window or just buy it online ahead of time. I think Catamount was 85 or 90 for mm-hmm. a holiday. So mm-hmm. most, I mean, Berkshire, Jay, they're all going to be, they would all be up there at least yeah. 90 bucks for a single day at the ticket window purchase. Yeah. So if you're near at least two or three of these places, like it's, it's, it's a great bad. value. It's, I mean, I've had a great experience so far. I love the Indy Pass, and it's killing me that I haven't used any of the ones in Vermont yet. But hey, man, Miracle I, March. I punched my Gatlinburg ticket. That was my two days Gatlinburg. there. I did Shawnee in the Poconos, and I, I did. I like Shawnee. Small, Shawnee. but it's cool. Dude, I drove past that place we stayed at when we were up there. Remember when yeah. you had like that for that weekend? Condo. I drove yeah. right past it. Yeah, I'm like, those are the places we stayed at. Yeah, I like Shawnee's. So it's solid, you know, it's not a huge mountain, but it's just fun. Gets the job done. That's for sure. Yeah. Especially midweek that that place is money. Yeah. So I've done Shawnee and I've done Catamount. So trying nice. to get a few more of my days in and also Indy pass starting March 1st, they have a spring Indy pass for one forty nine. Wow. So you can make that happen. 
if you haven't done it yet. There's still time. And they just keep adding places, which is so cool. I think this is going to be a juggernaut next year because more people know about it this year. Like I think it like was started spreading after people were already buying Epic and Icon. And I think this next year, they're really going to hit stride because a lot of people it's on their radar. And I think people are going to say, Hey, you know, what's the chance of me going on a big resort skiing for one of these Epic or Icon pass to get the money out of it versus just doing any pass and paying for a few days when I go somewhere else. 100%. I mean, I think next year and, and they have, uh, the one, uh, that's right there. Um, Grand Targi or Snow King. Snow King is right. is right right in Jackson. So, you know, you got your, you got your Indie pass, you go to, you do that for a few days and then you hit Jackson for a few days. Yeah. Maybe Grand Targi. Nothing wrong with that. What, I think I'm going to be a double pass guy this next year. Two pass in it, which is the one, what are the ones that you're probably going to look at? I think probably Indian icon. Yeah. Indian icon. I, I have said it before and I will say it again. Next ski season, and it's easy to be the freaking guy who's like, oh, it's going to be different next time. That guy. Everything will be very different next season. Yeah. At least for this this guy. I think this year, you know, we all we all were a little bit more concerned about how things were going to play out. But I think for the most part, it actually worked out. I mean, we got through it for the most. And you know, we still got, you know, March left, which is awesome. Yeah. And if we get April, that's gravy. But we all went into this really worrying and, you know, like, oh, this is never going to work. This is places are going to shut down immediately and everything's going to be a disaster. But I've, I definitely give all skiers and boarders an A for helping us kind of make it through and the resorts too, just finding ways to, to get by in a year where unprecedented way people crafty, right? Yeah, you know what? Human beings, man. When our backs are to the wall, we find ways to persevere. Dude, I just want to ski Little Switzerland in Slinger, Wisconsin. You could do worse. It sounds so little and so cute. Wouldn't that be fun? We should do like a Midwest trip. I'm looking at like, I want to ski all the Wisconsin ones. Like just ski the whole state of like just all the Wisconsin, all the Minnesota ones, like just the whole Midwest. Yeah. Why not? Right. Detroit mountain recreation area it's so funny like you look at the verticals and those you're like whoa you're like <laughs> whoa. shawnee has more vertical than pretty much any of these places how about eagle crest skier in Juneau, alaska that's Juneau. on the pass so you go to alaska yes. hang out ski a few days in Juneau, and then get the heli pass and you get hop the on the heli boom 1600 feet of vertical that's not too bad that's great yeah and they have not, oh, they don't have night skiing. Damn it. So it some of these, fun. the interesting thing, we were talking to Eric about this is you could go ski in the day and then travel somewhere else and ski at night and hit a second resort. Like get the night skiing in. That is very true. Now, it would be great if, I don't think any of these states have legal marijuana because that would be fun to get really high and do night skiing. Oh, there you go. Well, there's Canada. There's BC. It's legal there's BC. If we can get across, I know that's just it. We got to sneak in, so uh, we got to arrange like a Lobo to take us with a snowmobile across the border. Well, think about it. I mean, there's no way that the whole border is being protected. That's we see it with Mexico, right? 
What, right. what, how are you going to get me? Got to find your spots. We can have the Underground Railroad ski. <laughs> the Underground Ski Railroad. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just to get up to Canada, to go north. <laughs> that stuff. <laughs> Do you have a vaccine? No, man. We're just, we're just trying to sneak you across. We're just here for the weed and the skiing. <laughs> it's like it's like, the, like Shawshank when you get through the, the tunnel, you're like, oh, it's snowing on you. <laughs> I was watching, uh, what was it? Kevin Hart has a show. It's called uh, Kevin Hart's Black History. <laughs> And he goes through black history, but it's like funny and stuff. So he had this one guy that like sent himself in a box and they're like, and when he came out he said, you know, and they're like, Oh, he could have said so much better stuff. And like, they're joking around about it, but you know, it's all real black history, but uh, it was just kind of funny. Like <laughs> um, some of the things like they were, you know, they're talking about the underground railroad and they were talking about, you know, guy that shipped himself like to freedom. I was like, that's pretty freaking awesome. They ship ourselves to Canada. Put a big <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right on it. Not people. <laughs> Not people. <laughs> Very delicate. China and, you know, something. Eggs. You got a whole box, a whole crate of eggs. Ooh, that's a good one. Right? Okay, be very one. careful. We got to treat it nice. Not too hot. We'll cook the eggs. Not too cold. We'll freeze them. All right, next up. This is right up your alley. You just watch this. <laughs> Kings and Queens of Corbett's 2021. So I was just watching this. <laughs> this happened last week. And they had a perfect day, perfect conditions, tons of snow at Kings and Queens of Corbett's. And if you're not familiar, there is a run in Jackson Hole Mountain Resort called Corbett's Couloir. And it is a super gnarly drop-in. It's in all the ski movies. They have the good folks at Red Bull have turned it into a an event, a contest. And I think it's the I want to say, is it I thought I had them saying the fourth year. I thought it was the second year they were having it. Two or four. Yeah, they've been having it. I thought it was for probably like four. sounds like, right? Uh, that's that's what I heard them saying. I thought it was only two years, but uh, perhaps it's been four. So they had 26 athletes from around the world. Skiers, snowboarders, men, women, whatever, roll your dice gender. They were all there and they were competing. So they kind of had people come down and uh, make their entrance way into Corbett's. I got to tell you, man, like <laughs> one of my, some of these people and, and, you know, some of the ways people were going into this, I was just like, it's mind boggling. Just the balls. The labia, like the confidence, the the ability. It's so that's phenomenal. like if I have like a week to live, I'm doing this shit big like this because I'm chicken yeah. shit. So I'd yeah. be like, I don't care, man. I got I got it for like a few days. I'm going. So the one guy, the one snowboarder, Hans Midnick, he's from Stowe, Vermont. He did like a 360. He was a boarder. So he did like a 360 and actually brushed against the wall, that left side skier's left side wall. Landed wow. it, like bounced like not it wasn't a hard bounce, but he kind of like rode it the wall off at the bottom. It was unreal. Uh, and then the guy who won it, Crazy Carl, he like he just did this like 920 just launched. Damn. Into Corbett's. It was unbelievable people doing, you're like 70 years old and people are like come on Gramps, you're not going to do it and you just do a freaking boom like double backflip double backflip and just freaking whoosh, triple well, tuck tuck 
into Corbett's. <laughs> I will tell you, no, they said though, if you do this deep and deep camp at Corbett's, yeah. they said that's by the third or fourth day, that's what you're doing. Tuck, tuck. You're going into Corbett's. No, I mean that's that's what they're preparing you for, which is awesome. That's nice. That's one of my uh my bucket list things is do that camp there and to get the, to do that stupid run, which we uh you know, we were there. It was closed most of the week. We will be honest. It wasn't, it wasn't closed. great conditions. Yeah. Even Tommy Rose said he's like, I wouldn't go in that now. Yeah. And of course there are people eating their ass on that thing. It was open the last day, the Friday we were there, and we were watching people just like, Yeah, just <laughs> eat it. We made the smart decision to just keep rolling by. But I'm ro- I'm roll still- on I'm still bummed. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't like living with regrets in my life. And I, I just want to like tackle this demon. I really want to make sure I get this done before I die. And I will tell you now, here's something that's really awesome. A little teaser for next week. We actually have an interview with a gentleman, Abe Maynard. He has a training system called the ski system. So off season, he's a former competitive junior freestyle skier so he's legit went into personal training we're gonna get some real training this summer so nice. that next season like i said I, i'm i'm going whole hog on next season like all you i'm ready to go I'm Backflip next season. back i'm asking about a backflip i'm gonna ask him about doing corbett's like these i have the goals of an eight-year-old in my deep, life steep and deep backflip camp that's what you need <laughs> Why isn't there a backflip camp? Actually, Woodward might have that. We got to reach out to Annalise and see if they have backflip camp. Yeah, Woodward's got to be like, yeah, we'll, we'll hook you up with a backflip. Like, how old are you? Like, like 13, 14? It's like, dumb. Mm. Like, really? I'm a lot older. Really? Oh, you're that old? Yeah. You want to do a backflip? Like, do you have any experience? Get for 30? You should be in a walker. Yeah. Well, you know, you're only as old as you act. So you have yeah, to remember that. You're much closer to eating, you know, pureed food anyway. So you might as well try the backflip now. Thirties, <laughs> the new twenty, right? There you go. Thirties, the new twenty. Yeah, thirties, the new thirteen. <laughs> but um, yeah, some of these dudes too. There's one guy who in the case in Queens of Corbett's. So they kind of so Corbett's is like this, you know, cornice cliff here. Drop in, drop in. If and then there's the part. The, if anybody's never seen it, you got to look it up. It just go to YouTube and you will see some of the worst crashes. Uh, yeah. Look at the crashes. And then, and then we made the mistake of watching that for several weeks leading up to our trip. And then we were like, all right, they, people are saying it's not great conditions. We're also really necessary. We also probably bit off a bit more than we could chew. Think we were going to do it, but regardless um so these guys so you, you have this this cornice this cliff you're dropping into and the guys and gals start a little bit higher up and they kind of you know there's like a curve and you kind of roll into the actual cool wire there and this one dude he went in backwards or switch whatever you want to call it and he was just trying to like hold it steady the whole way and you're going 50 feet you're dropping into it probably and he just tomahawked like uh, 10 times <laughs> just like brr, 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 brr. Uh, it was pretty brutal to watch but he's like yeah whatever i'm good he just skied his second run he was fine that's the thing that blows my mind with this competition is the crashes and that everyone is like fine there's like nobody hurt yeah they're like yeah let's go grab some beers after yeah 
it was it's super cool like yeah if you uh, we'll have the link in the show notes but you can go to the jacksonhole.com website and they have the the whole recap they're only like an hour and hour and change and it shows every competitor they had 26 athletes and it shows both of their runs and you know you can watch it an hour hour and 20 and some of them are just they're inspiring they're exciting they're terrifying they're some of them are a little ridiculous what they were doing um but it's so much fun it's so cool so congrats to the competitors congrats to the winners crazy carl fosvet and madison blackley who both won first place for the men's and women's it was so much fun to watch and that guy hans um midnick the guy came in second i think he was second last year too he's just unbelievable the way he bounced off that wall Beast, huh? oh so cool it was so awesome all right and last up in the ski news we have a pretty cool product that uh brian spotted uh cardo ski system communicator which is like it does a mesh network so you can kind of communicate to each other while you're skiing um it's pretty interesting it's like built into the goggles looks like right well so there's actually a little bit of background to this too it's not really into the uh, i mean i guess there's a helmet unit and there's a goggle unit so it depends which one you want i think yeah and our pal rich i was talking to him about this because he actually used this the week before and originally his his buddy steve who works at um one of those online mags who gets all this cool stuff to test out he was like i have this stuff do you guys want to check it out and he's like, uh, this sounds dumb. No. And his wife's like, no, oh, this sounds awesome. Let's check it out. And Rich was like, this thing was way cooler than Man, I thought it would be. That's so awesome. He was, he said it was, it did was, he do the goggle thing? No, I think the helmet one is the one that they had. Okay. Cause they have a helmet one, which wires up your whole helmet, which it's really good too. They say for motorcycle riders, right? Which makes sense. But they have also ones that are just built into goggles. It looks like. Yeah. So this is a communication device. So you attach this and it pretty much Bluetooth. It's like Bluetooth speakers and microphone on your helmet. So if you're with your group, you know, you could be like, Hey, you know, there's rock over here. There's, you know, now there's a limit to distance. I think it's like 50 feet or whatever, because it's Bluetooth. But he said it was surprisingly helpful and fun to have that on there again you could kind of if there's hazards if there's hey you know, let's go let's all go to this lift over here let's change our plan let's do this and he said it actually made things like a lot more made it more fun the experience which i was really kind of surprised to hear because you know he's kind of a tough critic on stuff like this and you know i kind of looked at it first i was like this looks kind of stupid huh. but i can see the positives here imagine you're on a ski trip you know, with like a whole bunch of people and you all have this and, you know, like if you're at a big resort, you know, if you're a small place, it doesn't make sense, but if you're at a big resort and you could get lost easy or you decide to go, Oh, I heard someone said, go over here and let's check this out and we'll all go right. And yeah, it could be helpful and, and make things a little more fun. Well, you know, I have my outdoor research, uh, chips, the helmet mm-hmm. chips, and I love those for music and they have the upgraded ones, which of course it's the newer model where you can do the, um, uh, headset to headset. You can talk to each other. Oh, really? Nice. It's kind of like that, but this seems like it's on all the time. Whereas that, I think you push to talk kind of thing. Yeah. This is actually on all the time. I think. Yeah. This is pretty cool. A little like video gamey in a way. 
Yeah. I mean, it's really like they push a lot for motorcycle riders, which is definitely, I could see that because you're riding pretty close usually. Oh, if there's obstacles or, you know, things to look out for, that's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. But I could see the easy application for skiing. So it's pretty neat to see. Yeah. Always come up with cool new things to uh, help make the experience more fun. Eventually we'll have brain pals and we'll all be connected. (laughs) Brain pals. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Just chip us. Chip us. Just chip me. Chip me, baby. Like Black Mirror with the uh, the eyes where everything records. Remember, I stopped watching that show. I couldn't. Dude. I couldn't. I just couldn't watch it anymore. I just yeah, hit I went my back level. The other day to see if there was anything new on there, and I'm like, nah, it's the same stuff. I'm like, pretty freaky stuff though. I'm already goddamn freaked out. One that freaked you was the uh, Boston Dynamics dogs. That the were dogs, the doors. The dogs that hunting that lady out. down. Nope. Oh yeah. Fucking done. Fucking, I'm ready to move to the mountains. Just live off the grid. After watching that, I was until looking those, up until those dogs come for you. I was looking up how to make my own jerky and uh, <laughs> solar panels. Brian's making his own jerky. You were in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. What do you need your own jerky for? Jersey jerky. <laughs> well, speaking of not being in Jersey, rolling into the main topic, Mario, you were just out on a awesome trip out to Ogden, Utah. So why don't you give us a little breakdown of the trip better had you joined, but I know you had stuff going on. Yeah. Everybody did miss you. Uh, You had arranged the trip. They were like, ah, I'm a very missable person. And I, I do regret not being able to go, but you know, life had, uh, yeah, had things in store, but, and everybody understood, but it was like, it was, they were very good hosts. Yeah. So why don't you break this down, this trip for us? Like, why were you going out there? What was going on? What was it like? So NAJA, which is North American Ski Journalists Association, which we're part of. um, I didn't realize this, but before we joined, they had an East, Midwest, West, Canada, like different parts of NAJA. And by the time we joined, which was only, what, two and a half, three years ago? 2018, 19? 18, yeah. 19, so, I think. About three years ago. So by then they had uh member membership went down, so they merged everything together. So now it's all one NASDAQ, but they still kind of I guess keep some of these like trips going. So like the Western group would always run trips for themselves. Now they're actually opening it up to everybody. So they ran this trip and they they kind of I guess they give it out to their legacy members for i don't understand how it worked but then we got wind of it and we're like hell yeah let's jump on that trip too you know nice little thing they organized through visit ogden and the purpose of the trip was to get you know get you out to ogden see the town uh see how close proximity is to skiing ski a little and just kind of experience the town and visit ogden was the one that was hosting and put this together and they did a fantastic job so um you know, it was, you know, they arranged everything for us. It was pretty cheap, uh, arranged for, you know, people to be with us at, be with us at the, uh, at, at the resorts, you know, to guide us around skiing. Uh, and then we saw the town, we saw like a lot of different parts of the resorts and, and near the resort. So it was a great trip. I was fortunate enough to go and it was, it was pretty good. Uh, so I got Ogden, a- Utah. So Ogden was kind of a town that was in, 
don't know what the word is, uh, kind of a negative slide for a while, right? And then... Yeah, I mean, the town was there because of the railroad pretty much, right? So that's kind of, once the railroads were connected, uh, one of the big things I didn't realize, and it led to some of the, let's say, checkered past of the town (laughs) uh, with the modern cleanup, led to the modern cleanup, but it was a center point for almost everybody they said that went out to fight in World War II or came back from World War II, either alive or, or had passed, um, came through Ogden because there was a big, I guess, military uh, processing uh, unit there. So people would come in, they'd process out, and then they would get put on a train and sent somewhere to go out you know, overseas. Uh, so they said oh. a ton of uh, different ton of the military would come through there on the trains and that was a big deal. So because of that, there's a lot of bars or a lot of brothels. There's a lot of just military in the area. Um, and it had like a really kind of interesting past with, with all that. Uh, today there's still a, I think it's the F 37s are out there and they are. So it's a big air base that's out there. Yeah. And they are, yeah, Hill, lights, Air, Air Force Base? I think so. Just south of Ogden? Yeah, I think that's it. But in Ogden, at night, is when they do a lot of their missions and training. You hear them roar. I mean, it is loud. You're like, oh, what really? is going on? It's like, <laughs> it's crazy. So it's pretty impressive. I mean, these things are pretty big, pretty high tech. And um, there's a lot of research and a lot of, because I asked like what one of the big things in town is uh, for, in you know, industry. And they said, it's a lot supporting military, military contracting and air base. Like it's huge. Uh, and then there's all the outdoor stuff and the universities. And so it's kind of it all feeds in together, but it's pretty cool that they have like a good industry to support the town. And then there's, of course, just the close proximity to all the skiing. So how far is Ogden from Powder and Snow Basin? So you fly into Salt Lake, you go about, I think it was like a maybe a 35-minute Uber drive. Cost me about 30 bucks. Wasn't too bad. And then you're in Ogden. And then from Ogden to either of those mountains is about 20 minutes. Um, oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. And now they're actually getting ready to open. Uh, there is a train that ran, was clo- was not running on Sundays, but they're actually, I guess, putting together a newer train that's going to run more often. It's going to go from Salt Lake City to Ogden, right into Ogden. And they say it's going to be like, you know, a little higher speed to get you there quicker. And it's just going to be so much easier because you could fly into Salt Lake without having a car, jump on the train, go right up to Ogden, and then you're in Ogden, and then either take shuttles or uh, something to the mountains. You don't even have to have a car. So it'll be pretty cool. It was nice. Utah's really trying to improve. Like they have concrete. Well, let's not call them concrete, but they they are really trying to improve transportation from the airports to the resorts. Oh, yeah north in ogden and also down in the cottonwoods south i mean it's almost like think about what they did for the olympics they used all these different areas for the olympics snow basin was used for the men's and women's downhill and we we did that run it was really cool they said it was it worked well because all of the areas and all like all the cities and the skiers collaborated on it like it was a real good 
open collaboration with each other, not trying to get more than somebody else, but realizing like we're all going to survive by doing a good job on the, on the whole Olympics. And after the Olympics, they really retained a lot of the base for volunteers. So they run a lot of other events like bike rides, triathlons, marathons all throughout you know, the year they do big ice fishing tournaments uh, on the lake there. But it's really kind of cool how they have this base and they're still operating and improving like they're going to have the Olympics again. And I think it's they're really trying to get the Olympics for I think they said 30, 32, 34. The next one that's getting bit out, they're trying to put together like they want the Olympics again. But it's really set up, they said, for having a big event like the Olympics or having like FIS. And they're talking more about maybe trying to get some FIS events because they can handle the capacity and, you know, the mountains are, are set up for it. So uh, it's just very interesting to see. And it's kind of, so powder and snow basin, they're not really resorts per se. They're, they're ski areas, right? So it's not like they have their own, you know, resort you know, hotels and stuff like that. Powder has an uh, has on the radar to build out hotel and some more uh, accommodations on the mountain or, or, you know, right, right adjacent to the mountain. A snow basin, it's, it, they're thinking about it and all around it is kind of booming still too. So it's kind of interesting to see. But yeah, no, the town of Ogden too, like the little downtown was great. Uh, a lot of restaurants, I can get into that. But we started out at going to Weber State. Everybody thinks it's Weber, like after Weber Grills, but it's Weber, which I didn't realize that's probably technically how you would say it. Now, they, Weber would be two Bs, you know, right? Like, yeah, but Weber Grills is Chris a, Weber, yeah, basketball Chris player. Yeah. So really, the grill messed up. The grill messed up. Well, right. And so this is Weber State uh, and then Weber County. So this is like a state college. And the reason like we went there to visit was they opened up a new outdoor facility, outdoor and welcome facility. So it was a really cool facility. I got to say, I have pictures. I, I think I posted pictures. If not, I'll post them soon. But they have an outdoor venture facility. They have big rock climbing walls, bouldering walls, which they open up to students. But then they also do stuff that's very interesting. Like if you want to get certified for search and rescue, they have repelling. They have uh, the ability to do uh, work on where you go down manhole covers, which are high up so that you can actually uh, practice, you know, rescuing people. They have on top of the the, the roof actual uh, holds where you can secure ropes and rappel down the side of the building. So really, it's pretty amazing. Like, you know, you look at it at first glance, you're like, this is really cool. Like they're very big into climbing. You know, they have like some historic climbing axes there and stuff like that, which was neat to see um, a lot of climbing history. Uh, but then you start looking deeper at how they built it. And they really put a lot of thought into uh, how this can be used, not just for the university uh, to teach kids and, and, you know, um, adults, whoever's taking, you know, uh, courses there, but also to use it for, you know, police and fire and military, whoever, whoever wants to rent it out, uh, to be able to do certifications that they need. I mean, there's some, you know, pretty high level certifications that you, you can get, but you need the facility to run those. So it's kind of one of those things they just broke ground on it. So we were one of the first people to like visit. Um, oh, nice. and that was really cool to see. Uh, now, 
attached to that too, what they do is they do a lot of, um, if you want to go camping as a student, you book a reservation, pay a little fee and they give you all the camping gear, like everything. Here you go, bring it back at the end of the weekend, you know, however long you're going to have it. And if you want to rent it, not being a student, you still can rent it. You just rent it at a, a slightly higher price. Like they give like a big discount to students. Uh, same thing with ski equipment. So they have like DPS skis for backcountry that they rent out. So you go out, they, they hooked us up, uh, with our skis, uh, and whoever needed boots for the week, uh, you know, that we were for the few days that we were there, which was really nice. So, uh, but it was cool to see they have a full on ski shop and a ski tuning area, right? Ski tuning shop. So one of the benefits of being a student there is you actually can work in the little ski shop tuning area. And in the summer, it turns into a bike tuning, bike repair. And they teach students while they're working, how to repair all this stuff and how to work. Oh, awesome. So they said they've already seen like by running these programs, now they're seeing in the local stores in town. Oh, who's running that store? Oh, one of the people from our university who's, who's tuning, you know, who's the big boot fitter, the, the tuner. Oh, that's one of the kids from our, our programs. You know, they learned how to do it. So it's not like they're just going to go out and make minimum wage and, and learn on the job. Like they know how to, how to use all the high tech machines. So it's pretty cool. Uh, same goes with the class. So freaking cool. Yeah. And then the climbing, they had like bays where you drive in, they'll drop the stuff into your car, you know, roll it right in and you drive out. Like it's like a drive through. So they, they did a good job with that whole facility. It was very impressive to see. So good luck to them because we actually saw what they were using for their outdoor recreation before. And it was a, an actual home that the university bought and had all their outdoor recreation stuff there. So you'd pull up to like the Brady house, get your crap and go. It was very inefficient. It was like long lines. This thing they got now is like running like a top. And I'm like, this is really, really cool. That is super cool. So that was nice. Daniel Turner um, was the guy, the main guy that was running that outdoor facility. He did a good job showing us around and, and it was very, uh, very good to see. Um, maybe we'll have him on the show again. He, he seemed really, um, really into it. He also said they do have yurts that anybody could reserve, but he says they, when they go for reservation, if you're in line at the university, you'll probably get a spot. If you're there waiting for a few hours, uh, if not, you call in, maybe the first person will get it, but they're probably all going to be like taken. They're not expensive, but you have to ski to them because they're about, I think he said seven miles from any roads. So you got to ski into them, use the whole yurt, and then you leave when you're, when you're done, bring all your stuff in and out. Nice. Very cool. Um, So how was the scheme? And so you, so which one did you start at? Did you start at powder or did you start at snow basin? So we did snow basin, then powder and then snow basin again. And then okay. left. Um, so the first day uh, at Snow Basin and then Powder, we had uh, two people, you know, people go with us. And then the last day at Snow Basin was on our own. Um, so Snow Basin, we we met up with Megan Collins, who we know from the Boston Ski and Snowboard Show. Which yeah, she's super cool. Yeah. So, uh, she was really cool. She remembered me and, uh, it was fun skiing with her. She's really good skier. 
uh, knows her stuff and she just showed us all around and uh, it was really cool. Like we went on her the whole family, is like the ski industry too. Yeah. I think her father's like a patroller at Snowbird and her, her boyfriend or fiance is like a, yeah, like a, like a patroller somewhere else or drives yeah. a snowcat or something like their her whole family is like in it. And she was really interesting to talk to even in Boston. Uh, but it was kind of cool just to ski with her. And, and so on the Olympic run, she took us on the Olympic run and showed us like, so the run doesn't even go for the men. Like the, the women's goes this, the same route, but a little bit different, like the way the trails cut or the way it's, it's groomed. Uh, the men's goes towards where they go and then it turns down. So you actually look at this hill and she's like, so she actually, we kept going down and stopping and she would be like, okay, you look here, this is where they came. So it's nice. She gave us the visual of the run, like as you're on it, which is, pretty neat to see and the men's (laughs) she says she's like the men's went over that ridge so the way the trail goes now it kind of goes uh it goes down and it kind of banks to the right and you see like this hill that it banks before she's like no it used to go straight over that hill (laughs) think about people going like eight miles and flying over that hill so you can imagine how terrifying that must have been, but she's like, yeah, you could still do it. It's off trail now, but like it's, that's the old run. And then you could see where it ended up. So it's kind of like they both finished the men's and the women's both finished at the same spot. So it was pretty neat to do that. Um, we all, they were also blowing for avalanche. So they had such crap snow in like around Thanksgiving that they were still plagued with, they got some new snow, but they're still having, they were still having to do control blast all over. And while we were there, they did one uh, up by John Paul left, which is uh, I guess up on the upper right side of the whole mountain. Um, and that's like the, that right now. That's, that's like the, the really steep stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it's a bowl. They have a separate, it's like a gondola, but it's like a three person gondola. It's pretty neat. Almost like, and it's a stand up, So it's kind of, kind of interesting, but that takes you up to the John Paul uh, area and you can ski down very steep, but very cool when it's nice. Uh, that definitely wasn't open because they were blowing um, for avalanche there uh, control. And they made some avalanches go right across the runs. And it was <laughs> pretty, pretty terrifying to see like the size of that. You're just like, wow, that was snow just waiting to come down. So, uh, one good thing about snow basin, that's where, if anybody saw our Instagram account, they have all of, there was one of the guys that was ski patrol with our group. He hooked up with the ski patrol there and they took him around. They did a bunch of cool stuff. And then I actually met up with him after and we did, you know, did some tree skiing and, you know, off, off trail stuff, just going, you know, off wherever because it started that day that last day was snowing uh and nice. he was the one that got the uh all the rescue dogs have their own cards they had like a whole set of cards it was pretty awesome they were almost like playing cards that's so cool so wow. did you have a favorite run at snow basin or favorite area um i think my favorite really was the that olympic run was really very cool because it was a mix of bumps. We just hit it at the end of the day and I was exhausted. I mean, we, we skied all day, took a, actually had a nice lunch. So in one of their, is I think the wildflower downhill, is that the one? The wildflower downhill, which is the That's women's. 
And then the men's is right off of that too. The Grizzly downhill? I think so. But then the, the men's, the Grizzly, merges in with the women's. Like right. The wild, yeah, because right. his Grizzly finish and Wildflower finish, and they kind of come together at the bottom. Right. And they come together before. The men's used to go to the left over like a ridge and then come back around. Like it was it was crazy looking. I was like, wow, this is pretty interesting. That's pretty cool. So how would you compare that to like uh, at Whistler, the Dave Murray downhill? That's where they had the, I think that was the, was it the men's and women's or just the women's downhill event? Cause I know we did ski that one when we were yeah, there. This was really gnarly. I mean, this was really, yeah. and you know, I guess they don't over groom it. So it was, it was bumped up at the top. Uh, oh, wow. Course, okay. Of course it would have been clear, but it was a nice run because you had a mix of like, it was steep and bumpy and you could, you could get some speed on it if you wanted to. Uh, but it was pretty steep in areas. Uh, I got to say it was pretty gnarly. And just looking at how the, how the run would have been for the, for the Olympics, I was like, I really got the sense of like, that must've been terrifying, but good. Yeah. terrifying, but good, you know? And if you didn't remember, it was Fritz Strobel from Austria who won the gold medal for the men. Fritz. Fritz on the Grizzly downhill. Nice. They say the average gradient on the Grizzly downhill was 30.87% or 17.98 degrees, exceeding the classic layouts of Kitzbühel. At a little bitch, 25.97% or 15 degrees. Damn. They said the top five finishers competed the course in less than hundreds of seconds, making it the quickest descending Olympic downhill. And the average speed of the medalists for the entire course exceeded 64 miles an hour. Damn. Rating it among the fastest courses in international competition. That's pretty cool. There you go. Cool. Yeah. So on Mountain, there was uh, one of their lodge. I think it was Needles Lodge, is what it was called. Um, We got a Needles Lodge. We got a Grizzly Center, Earl's Lodge. Yeah, Needles Lodge, Lodge. really nice. So I took some pictures in there and they had, you know, floor to ceiling windows, a lot of wood, very like, I got to say snow basin was on the fancier side. I didn't realize it was that fancy, but it was getting into the. It has the nicest bathrooms of any, any resort anywhere. Amazing. Allegedly. Uh, Yes. That's what I've heard. They had like, I did take a picture of the bathroom. I didn't post that anywhere, but. Um, there's nothing pornographic in it. It was just the handles were all like brass and like the, they had like these geese or something like that as like the, you know, the, uh, the faucet, um, a lot of brass and gold looking stuff and nice carpet, nice chairs. I was like, this is really high end. Like it was swanky. Swanky is, is the word. Uh, what I'm accustomed to, let's put it that way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, and then they put in a last year, was it last year or this year? Um, it might've been, well, because of COVID, they decided to close for a little and then they put in a bar in that lodge upstairs. 
and it is where they put it right behind that bar. It's all glass, you know, uh, windows, uh, up to the ceiling. And it, it looks like it was built with the bar in mind and they put it in after, and it's like, it was really well done. So it was really cool. Food was good there. Um, that was my favorite lot. That was, uh, that was the needles or the, uh, the needles, the needles. Yeah. And that's like up top, like at the top of the center section of the, Oh yeah. You get up there and you hang out, you're earning that stuff. Um, so that was good. And, and yeah, it was good hanging out with Megan. She showed us a ton of stuff. Um, and then the next day we went to powder mountain and powder mountain. They don't have anything open inside. Uh, everything is really grab and go, uh, unless you're an owner. And, um, Oh, I can get into that after, but we skied with, um, uh, JP, um, who we also met last year at, we also met at the show. show. Yeah. Yeah. JP Goulet. And he is French Canadian. I believe I think he's from Montreal. Uh, really cool guy. Really nice guy. We actually, he brought his girlfriend out the night we went out in town, um, and we hung out at, you know, we went to dinner and then we hung out at a speakeasy. So it was a really fun time. Got to really hang out with, with everybody and, and, you know, get to know him personally. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, he snowboards, he's a really badass snowboarder. And he took us into like, you know, we went right off. I mean, powder, there's so much terrain. Um, so we got there, we did a lot of off piste, uh, got some fresh snow, uh, freshies and, uh, it was really good. You know, we, we skied for a good part of the day, but it was a shorter day because we had stuff to do after and they don't really have a lot of amenities open. It's all outdoor stuff. So you basically ski and when you're done skiing, just get the hell out. You know, uh, the one thing about powder, it's one of those where you ride in and I'm trying to think, you're at the, you're at the, you come in on top, you come in on top. So what happens is you drive in, you go up this crazy mountain road, which is really crazy. Like you go, I mean, the, the, we were taking a, a van down and the guy was going like, he's in low gear going like 10 miles an hour. He's like, no, so many people just burn out their brakes and then they can't stop on this road. Like it's that it's that treacherous. Uh, and it's, it's not short. It's just a long, long road. So you actually come in and you're at the top of the mountain, you ski down, uh, and then going out, you got to ski, you got to drive back down that, that road. So it's funny. (laughs) They should take a shuttle if you're going to powder. Yeah. Uh, there's parking, but and don't buy a Utah based rental car. Right. Right. Well, they have a lodge at the bottom when you drive in that you could park there and then take the shuttle up to to the mountain, which is very convenient. Um, it's pretty terrifying. Uh, but once you're there, it's, it's great skiing, uh, so much terrain, always, you know, a lot of off trail, uh, riding, skiing and riding. Um, but then we got lucky because, because we were there and we were media, they were like, Hey, you know what? We're going to, we're going to see if we can get you inside somewhere. So we're like, all right, that's cool. Um, so they brought us into the owner's yurt, which was a set of two yurts connected by a little area, um, a yurt way. And that's that, those are the videos that I put on Instagram. It was pretty sweet. Those were uh, super cool. Yeah. 
I gotta say, I was like, I felt like a sultan in the yurt right there. I felt like James Khan. Uh-huh. But you know, full picture windows, like they had cool ambient music playing. They had like these chill rugs and couches and stuff. I was like, this is really cool. All we need is like a hookah right now. Like if weed was legal in Utah, like this would be the perfect spot. That would be it. Uh, and they, you know, it was really kind of cool there, but it's a place like you have to own a property uh, at Powder to be able to get into that. Um, and even if they, I asked them, I said, well, so if you're renting one of those places, do you have access to it? They're like, nope, you got to be an owner. Good. I'm like, I love that idea. So <laughs> very swanky, very nice. Uh, yeah, they were so nice to us there. Um, so that was that was great to, to go to. Um, and then the next day we did snow basin again and we ended that early and we went out and saw some stuff around. So snow basin is in a town called, I believe it's Huntsville, Utah. <clears throat> and while we were in Huntsville, uh, we figured, you know, let's go ski snow basin and the day early. And then they booked us to, uh, go to this place, the compass Rose lodge and then see the shooting star saloon. So we put our stuff at, at Compass Rose, went over, walked over to the Shooting Star Saloon. Um, and that's Utah's oldest operating saloon. Um, and it's nice. like a dive bar. They have dollar bills all over the ceiling. Uh, I think somebody said they estimate about $140,000 on the ceilings. Oh, holy crap. Uh, but it's $140,000 in dollar bills. That's what the estimation is. Uh, the entire ceiling is just covered and even some of the walls, but they have this burger that is, I think it's called the star burger where they put kielbasa on two burgers on a bun. So that's what they, and cheese. And it was very cool. You know, it's just like a cool old little dive bar, you know? Um, and it was, it's pretty interesting. One of the, one of the girls, Lindsay, that was, that worked for, um, visit Ogden, she, um, took us around, you know, in the, in the vans around and then helped, you know, walked us uh, to places and, you know, was showing us around town and stuff too. She grew up like right there. Like she grew up like down the blocks. So we were joking around about like, you know, what was this place? She's like, yeah, you always wanted to see what was in there, but like, you never went in. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just kind of funny. Uh, so we did that and then we went back to, uh, the, um, Compass Rose Lodge. Now I didn't know what it was, but it looked pretty nice and get in there. We find out that they're using this place every year for, uh, Hallmark, Hallmark, um, movies uh, that they Those put terrible in. Christmas movies that are uh, your, your, uh, lady in your life will be watching. That's right. Uh, but those things are, they're really big and this place, like they're using it as a set, like every year for new movies and, uh, they love it. Like they, they've embraced it. They did a good job taking this old, uh, lodge and renovating it to like a boutique hotel. Uh, and they have some really cool features. Like number one, the people that run it are very interesting. Um, so it's run by, uh, Jeff and Bonnie Hyde. And they have their sons that also Dakota and river. We met Dakota, uh, that helped run it as well. So it's a family run and own business. 
uh, and they did everything high end and really nice. It's just, it's really good looking, has a, almost a farmhouse look with the silo. And what the silo is, they actually decided because they're in a, um, a dark area, uh, like a dedicated, you know, uh, astronomy dark area in that part of Utah, they decided, Hey, you know what, let's turn that silo into an observatory. So they actually did, you know, pouring, you know, a whole footing that goes to the concrete that's, you know, way deep down so that the telescopes don't move and everything. Um, they did that and they put the the roof on that's still the silo roof, but it opens up to put the big telescope out. And uh, it's pretty neat. They have this whole telescope right in a hotel that you stay in. So it's like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to go for the ho- for the tele. You know, I can't sleep tonight. I'm going to go look at the telescope. I'm going to go look at the stars and then I'm going to, you know, walk to my room. Like, it's just kind of interesting, like a little surreal. And then you can go to the, you know, look star saloon, you know, Um, but everything around there. So uh, if we're talking to Jeff uh, Hyde, who's there and is, is uh, his, his son, Dakota and Dakota showed us the, um, the observatory, which was really cool, spent a lot of time, you know, explaining to us what we could see and, you know, explain the dark area and stuff like that, uh, which was really neat. Um, and then Jeff, we were talking to him and then we're finding out all the stuff, you know, about the hotel and about him. And he was a freestyle competitor skiing bumps, aerials and ballet, ballet. Uh, and ski ballet was a big thing back in like the seventies. Yeah. Um, so Look, a lot of the war the war memories always had the ski ballet guys and gals. Yeah. If you're a if you're a young blood and don't know what that's all about, look it up. Ski ballet. It was a yeah. thing. So, it was a diff it was a different time. Yeah. Different so time. I, I guess he made a good good you know, a good living and then he invested well and he was uh he's a hardworking businessman from from you know what he was saying. Uh, you know, the stuff they were talking about. And he's also a collector of stuff. So he loves collecting lifts, ski lifts. So he'll go out. He has one of the first lifts from, um, whatchamacallit, from uh, oh, Idaho. You're in the Killington? Oh, Sun Valley. Sun Valley. So he has one of the first chair lifts. And it looks like literally it's a chair, like an old wooden <laughs> chair with like the steel railing on it. Like it's heavy as crap, but it's like one chair. Uh, and that was like, one of the chairs from the first uh, ski lift. Uh, He has a few other ones that he has in there. And part of the deal was when they set up the hotel, they were, they agreed to set up a, like a coffee bar in there just to have something for, for people, you know, locals and, and also the people staying there. So they built a coffee bar and some of the chairs that he has in the coffee bar are, um, are lift chairs are, are lifts like, lift chairs that are kind of cut and they make a table out of it. Like it was pretty neat. Like you're sitting in and uh, they just have a lot of stuff hanging on the walls. Like they have uh, skis from the 10th mountain division. They had like the, the 37th Burton snowboard ever made um, <laughs> hanging in the Very wall. Specific. You know, and it's like funny, like you're in the coffee shop and you're looking and you're like, Oh, that's kind of a cool snowboard. It's like, yeah, that's a actual 37 Burton snowboard ever made. Like that's a big deal. You know, uh, that lift you're, you know, that chair you're sitting on in the coffee, you know, that's a, that's a lift from this chair in, you know, from this ski area, he's got skis from like, uh, women ski jumping when they first were, Oh, wow. 
had as Olympic sports signed by all the athletes. Like it's just amazing. Like the stuff that he has around there. So it's kind of cool. cool while you're sitting there, you're just browsing around like, Holy moly, look at this stuff. So, uh, and then his son, Dakota is a former member of the U S skeleton Olympic development team. So he actually has like the skeleton, uh, uh, whatever you call it, the skeleton the sled or the sled. Right. Yeah. And it is like tiny and flimsy. He's like, yeah, you go like 80 miles on this, 80 miles an hour on this or however fast oh they go. It's like crazy. So, <laughs> it was pretty neat to see. So it's very interesting place. Very nice, uh, picturesque. Um, and just an interesting little town, Huntsville. <clears throat> so if you get a chance to go by there, I would say definitely check it out. Whether you sightsee or stay there. But I want to know. So if... If you had to choose, if you had to pick, which yeah. mountain did you like skiing at better, powder or snow basin? It really depends on what I'd want to ski. If I want like a nice, normal, cool, chill day where I get some good stuff and I get to <clears throat> hang out, get a little swanky, I'm picking snow basin. If I just want to go off trail ski, you know, trees and woods and there's some good snowfall, I think I might pick powder. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they do. They let you go on a snowcat. Yeah. They groom a little at powder, but it's like, it's mainly, and then they do that whole big snowcat skiing thing. They have cat skiing there. Like it's a big deal. Cat skiing. It's like, you could just pay by the run. Oh, wow. 12 bucks or something. They'll take you up and then you cat down, you know, you ski down and then catch another cat or ski down, catch a lift, whatever you want to do. Oh, that's super cool. So what you're saying is it's best to just live in Ogden, get a place in Ogden. And then depending yeah. on your mood, you just bounce to which resort yeah. you feel on that day. And those two resorts are only about 20 minutes. The other one is uh Nordic. I think it's called Nordic mountain, Nordic Valley, Nordic Valley. And that one, they just put a new six pack in, I think. And a lot of people we were on the trip were we're saying, Hey, why don't we do that third day over there to see Nordic Valley? And it's funny. We actually, um, they were mentioning some of that to like Megan and, and JP and both of them said, they're like, yeah, that's not a bad little, little place. You know what I mean? It's, it's one of those that people know they're like, yeah, a lot of people, you know, start out skiing there. And even though it's called Nordic, there's regular downhill skiing, you know? And I guess that's the misnomer where people think, Oh no, it's just, I don't want to cross it. <laughs> They're like, no, it's a kind of cool. They got a, a good, t- good little terrain, and everybody liked it. So we didn't, we didn't do that, but that would be on the list to, to do also. And it's right there in town, um, you know, about twenty minutes away. Uh, and then the little town was kind of cool. We ate at this place called Hearth on Twenty Fifth. Um, had like the chef tasting menu, great food. Um, they have a speakeasy there, which is the same owner as that, that hearth on 25th. Um, oh no, sorry. Different owner. Uh, but that owner of unspoken owns a bunch of places in town, a uh, young guy just trying to, you know, make the town really cool. And, uh, he opened a nice little speakeasy down there. So we went, visited that. That was fun. Um, some other bars that I, uh, traveled to just to see what's going on had a beer at uh the harp and the hound the harp and hound yeah. uh pretty cool nice and open um 
I did notice something about, I don't know if it's just the way the city's built or the way the buildings are built, but you see a bar and you can't walk directly into the bar. You go into like a common walk area for the building and you go all the way down. Then you walk into the bar. So it's kind of weird. Like you go left, you're in the bar, you go right. You're in, that's another business you go in, but I guess it's to get you out of the cold and off the street kind of thing. Oh, okay. So would you, is there any other ski town you've been to that Ogden reminds you of? Uh, uh, I mean, their little downtown was nice. I would say it's quaintish, not as quaint as like a Burlington, but it it's kind of a bigger town, right? It's like, a, I mean, it's a legit city, yeah. like a legit small city. Yeah. It's, I don't know. In terms of like a Burlington, I would say it's more sprawled than Burlington. Burlington's a little more compact, mm-hmm. but probably around the same size. Maybe. I don't know. Burlington might be bigger um, or more people. Uh, but the downtown was pretty cool. Like it was, I would say it's, yeah, the downtown was cool. Wasn't um, a lot of good restaurants and bars. Uh, so I don't know. It was nice. Definitely in the summer, they say it's a whole different vibe. A lot more people doing, cause there's so much outdoor stuff that people do, you know? And dude, like I'm looking at prices of real estate there. Like it is still cheap to live in Ogden. Yeah. Like, you can like almost anybody can live there. I mean, 189,000 for a two bedroom, one bath condo. Bad. I mean, you know? there's, so there's a condo area going up towards Snow Basin that we're going to. Oh, the other thing, another fun fact. Have you ever watched that movie Yellowstone? I mean, the show on TV? I don't think so. Kevin Costner, it's on, I think, Paramount. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to be really good. They filmed, I think it was the first two seasons right there in Ogden. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> So they use the landscape of it, think you know, and kind of portray it as Wyoming, but it's just beautiful terrain out there. Yeah, you know? who's gonna know? Who's gonna know? Just say something and whatever. But um, yeah. So, like, I gotta say, the town for living there, it's really cool. Um, very small town vibe. There is some industry, like if you work in contract. So, so there's ways to, you know, find work out there and, and good work. Um, waste management, waste Jersey. Man- hey, forget about it. Forget about it. Um, <laughs> but there's an, there's a few areas and there was one outside of like on the way to snow basin, just before you get to snow basin, I forgot what they call the town, but it's all condos and it's really designed. I guess it was built uh, the really big use was during the Olympics. It housed a lot of people coming is it, there. Is it Eden? Mm, yeah, it might be. Yeah. Right outside of uh, snow basin. Yeah. And there's a ton of condos and they're building more. So they're building, they're like doubling the size of the condos that are there and people are buying them and it's an area where you can Airbnb. So people are buying them, Airbnb and the crap out of them. And you're right by, I think you're 10 minutes from Snow Basin, you know, 15 minutes, like you're really close. So kind of nice. But yeah, you know, it's one of those things like for a trip, it's different. Like, so you're going to drive to the, to the mountain every day, right? You're not going to be in a resort town, which is good and bad, you know, like. Depends what you want out of your trip. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, resort towns are nice, but like, even when we did Jackson hole, we were in Jackson, that's a real town, right? It's kind of the same thing. We took a shuttle 20 minutes to Jackson hole to ski, right? If we stayed in mm-hmm. Teton village, that's a whole different experience. Cause you're, you're there, but you're cut off from like the regular town. You know what I mean? You got to yeah. drive now to regular town. So it was kind of like that. Like it was a nice little town that you could hang into. And then you just decide, I mean, you could decide on the day you wake up, where are we going to go? Powder, we're going to go to Snow Basin or or where, you know? I mean, if yeah. you want to, you want to drive, you know, 40 minutes, you you go to another resort, you know, another ski mountain, so. And you're only, what, like an hour from Snowbird and, and Alta if you want to go down there. Right, so you're not very far from anywhere if you want to just kind of use it as a central location, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a nice little town. I got to say, like, you could have fun. You could have a nice, you know, chill time. You could have party time, whatever you want. Um, you know, it was COVID, so I don't know about the partying right now. Uh, but, um, and then we stayed at uh, the uh, Home Two Suites, the Hilton. And I actually just built that. Like, it just opened up a few months ago. So, like, everything was new. It was really kind of cool. Wow. That's pretty awesome. But they did a good job and, you know, they hooked us up and I really appreciate it. You know, uh, the people at, at visit Ogden, Karen Werner, uh, she was great. We got to have her on the show. Maybe. Um, yeah, very pro Ogden and just getting people that experience and all of them like have lived there and have family histories there. One of the cool things I saw. So there's a brewing company went to roosters and they brew their own beer, but they actually make a special beer for snow basin. And this is the 80th anniversary beer. So I I actually peeled the label off the bottle. Oh, look at that. And they have the basin pale ale. The snow basin map is like the basis of the label. And then they have the label on top and there you go. And are you allowed to get that on draft? Yes. Well, they changed the laws. So I got this on draft and this is 5.2 or 5.0%. So it's a normal beer, you know, it's a pale ale. So uh, it wasn't the 4.0 like they used to. So they changed a lot of the laws. We're able to get mixed drinks, able to get like regular IPAs, things like that. So uh, the laws definitely changed. And actually we heard that some of the, you know, uh, the big talk is there's a lot of, you know, Mormons controlling a lot of the, uh, the politics and, and stuff that go on because they got such a big presence there. But they actually said for like the liquor laws uh, changing them, they had like members of the church petitioning to say we need to change this because we need the business and it, why have it? You know what I mean? Let's so, take money from these heathens. <clears throat> yeah. But also for just purposes of, you know, why do we have this different beer than we're, you know, than we're everybody else is drinking? Why are we, why are we different? You know? Yeah. So pretty cool. But uh, yeah, that was a trip flew into uh, in and out Salt Lake and, Ubered there and back, and it was it was pretty cool. They're gonna, I think I mentioned they're gonna open a um a train. So once that train is running, so the people at Weber State they have this this really good vision. So the idea is once that train starts running, they have a shuttle that's gonna run from the train station to the university. You can wake up in Salt Lake City, jump on 
the train, which should take, I think they're saying about 20 minutes or 30 minutes, it's going to be a high speed. Um, and then jump on the shuttle. You'll be there within an hour. You're at Weber state. You could rent mountain bikes and then you pedal maybe a mile or two and you're on these trails, like in the mountains. That's so cool. I'm like, that's pretty cool. And then when you're done, you just do the reverse commute and you're back home in an hour. That is so awesome. So, and I've, I found out that if you go to school there and you stay at one of the dorms near the outdoor recreation area, I guess they have multiple dorms and there's one right there. If you want to stay there, they give you a lift ticket for Snowbird. Really? Not Snowbird, uh, Snow Basin. Basin. Okay. So they give you a Snow Basin lift ticket. They call it, uh, how was it? Um, they had a cool name for it. It was like a, um, like a ski, they had like a cool ski name for it, but whatever it is, they give you a free lift ticket. You can ski every day. So that's so cool. In the dorm, right? <laughs> Dude. Uh, so different from my college experience. Oh, but they're renting like the, the place where they had all the rental stuff was like big and well taken care of you. Like this is I mean, and we saw it just as it was opening up, but, um, it was really cool. They had like DPS skis. They were given, if you want to do backcountry, like, oh yeah, we just take some DPSs and just go out. It's like, wow, this is pretty nice. It's so awesome. So yeah, very cool stuff. So it was a great trip. Uh, I would do it again. You know, I would do it even with, uh, the family. Uh, I do it with friends. Like it's, uh, it's kind of cool because you got a lot of options like where, People want to do their own thing. There's a lot of options, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It sounded fantastic. Um, I am super bummed that I missed it. I actually couldn't look at Instagram too much that week because <laughs> I just, you know, it sucked, but you know, I, I do know that we are going to get out there again. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. I definitely saw, I think Ogden, the city was a little bit quieter. Uh, and I think it was mainly, you know, definitely because of COVID like, Without COVID, I could see, you know, they had a lot of venues, a lot of the bars that I, I looked at, they had areas where, where bands come and play on a regular basis and they still had bands, but only on the weekends. So I could see it really being, you know, a lot busier and a lot more, a little more hopping, a little more, you know, fun. Yeah. just more chill, like more stuff open and kind of, you know, being frequented. So, yeah. Well, you know, maybe we'll have to go back once things get back to normal. We'll get our Johnson & Johnson vaccines. We'll head back there. And head on out. And head on out, right? Here you had to wear, you were supposed to wear masks on the mountain, at least on the lift. So, yeah. of course, you know, you pull it down, you get on the lift, you, you wear it, and then in all the facilities. But it if wasn't... You're in the ele- if you're in the elevation when you're skiing, you got to take it off. I mean, yeah. you, can't, you can't breathe. And the elevation didn't kill me too much. I mean, we weren't, I think... What were I think we, you're sitting around 6,400, right? At the base of Snow Basin? At the base, right. So where we were was a little lower. Yeah. yeah, I think we were like four, and then we were six, and then I think we skied up. What's the top of uh, Snow Basin? 9,000, I think, nine and change. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't too bad. Like, you feel a little bit when you're at the top, but... 9570 at Mount Ogden, but there's no trail up there. Allen Peak, 9465. How about John Paul? We were up there. Yeah, the top. If you took the uh, the Allen Peak Tram, uh-huh. I don't know if you took that one. That's that 9,400. 
9,400 at the top, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we were at the bottom of that. That's the one that was closed. They were still blowing for avalanche there. Oh, okay. Um, but 9,000. Yeah. So 9,000. That's where I skied and had to stop a little. I was like, I'm out of breath <laughs> being a flatlander. Well, you're like, you're pretty much negative. <laughs> I can't but it didn't bother me too much. Like I wasn't, I wasn't destroyed. I wasn't nice. destroyed. Like I wasn't like Telluride or something. <laughs> Telluride killed me, especially staying yeah. in mountain builds at one time. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was just rough. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad you had a great trip. It looked fantastic. We will have all the links in the show notes. And if you have any other information and want to hit us up and ask questions, we will have some answers for you. Hit us up, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Go to the site, skibumpodcast.com. Check us out on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at skibumpodcast. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Go to your favorite podcasting apps, rate and subscribe. Thank you to our sponsors, Valon, Valon.store, and Terracia, Terracia.com. We'll talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay fluent. See ya.